0: Each episode delivers honest-to-goodness tools, tips, and strategies you can implement today to get closer to your first or next successful house flip. Here's your spiky-haired, breakfast taco-loving host, house flipping coach, Debbie DeBerry. Hey, how's it going today? I'm super excited to share this conversation with you that I had with one of our flip sisters in Arizona. Her name is Courtney and we debrief her first four flips. She made around $320,000 profit on these first four flips. And we talk about how she found them, how she financed them. We talk about contractors. Uh, We have a really important conversation about contractors and a switch in mindset that a lot of people need to have when it comes to contractors. And then we talk about guilt around making big profits and how we navigate that. We also talk about her aha moment she had around her fear of losing money. So she had a big fear of losing money. And in particular, losing money she borrowed from like private money lenders, right? Friends and family members who want to invest and make a great return on their money. And she was having a hangup around that. So we talk about her big aha moment around that. And we just talk about a lot of good stuff. This is a great conversation. Buckle up. We cover a lot of ground and it's totally worth it. All right. So let's dive in. Let's talk to Courtney. Courtney. Let's just start with you introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your
1: background and how you arrived at flipping houses. Okay. Well, so, um, so my job, so I've always freelanced. When I was like, I think 22, my now husband and I drove across the country and went to Chicago. And I was like, I'm going to send out a bunch of postcards and see if people hire me. And if not, I'll waitress. And, uh, and I had a photo degree and I wanted to photo assist. So, um, I sent it to a bunch of photographers and I got lucky. I started working right away and I've never had a real job, I guess a nine to five job my whole career. And I just found, um, I was kind of understood freelancing and I was into it. So my career, so I started off working in on still advertisements and then um, knew kind of early on, I was like, I don't have the drive to be a photographer So, I started assisting stylists. So, I work on kind of larger productions like print advertisements and TV commercials. And my title is I'm the wardrobe stylist. And then I used to sometimes do prop styling as well. So, what that means, people hear wardrobe stylists and they think of like Rachel Zoe or being a personal stylist and making shopping and making people look cute, but that's not really what I do at all. Um, (laughs) I'm really like, I mean, it's really a blue collar job. Like I I do shop all day, but I'm shopping for 30 people and giving them 20 options. So it's like insane amount of schlepping. Uh Um, I'm basically more of a costume designer. So I kind of, if you see any advertisement, um, you don't think about it, but like the amount of thought that goes into all the nuances of that outfit to like come to like tell a story. So I'm basically the person the ad agency comes to me or the director or the producer and they present the concept. And I'm the person that goes and buys all the stuff necessary to make that their idea come to life on set for a TV commercial or a print as- advertisement.
0: That is super cool. OK, did you is that what you studied in college?
1: No, I was. a uh, Well, I had a photo degree. So oh, like got it. Kind of, but um I grew up in a small town. My mom was a teacher for 35 years at the same school. Her first job was her last job. And my dad uh worked at like managing and like a factory. I and I never knew any of this existed, like had no idea. Yeah. I surprised looking back, my parents were never like, Why are you majoring in photography? Like, you know, uh, so it was just kind of you know, I, I feel like I'm like a curious person. So I have just like looked into one thing, which led to another thing, which led to another thing. And that's pretty much my life. <laughs> like that's kind of how I get anywhere. So, mm-hmm. yep. So yeah, I've worked in, um, commercial production as you call it for my whole career. And I'm just kind of a hired gun that essentially, uh, executes the ad agency's concept. And I work with I've kind of worked with everyone like Nike, Amazon, Adidas, um, Crate and Barrel. I've done a lot of home stuff. Um, and yeah. So you think a lot about like what goes into um, a project and what each little thing means. And it's really crazy. Cause um, you know, I like when I was sitting with uh, peers at lunch at work, we'd all be like, well, you know, what are we going to do with our life? We have no resumes. We have this super weird niche job. And you're just like, but so if people leave my industry, they often go to real estate. And I didn't realize how much it translated until we decided to move. I kind of got burnt out in my old job. Um, I like had a post before. It, you just have no you have no control of your time. It's one of those, like you commit to a project and that project might be three weeks away and it might, you don't know who is in charge of that project. So that person might start calling you that day and have three requests, even though you're only getting paid for three days, three weeks from now. And it's just like, start. So like, and I was always doing multiple projects at the same time. And once I had kids, it, it just really got tough because I had no control of my time. And like the request that came at eight 30 when my son had the flu just got harder to manage. Cause one thing I never had, I could never just say no, like I couldn't, like I had to come up with something. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, we, we, we were living in Chicago and we had two little kids and it just got kind of tough. So we, uh, bought a fixer upper in Arizona. My husband went to high school here. Okay, and my in-laws live here. Um, and it was pretty. Like I look back, I'm like, "Ooh, that was bold," because it was like a serious fixer upper. Um, and I kind of quickly saw. I was like, Oh, "I feel like I get this in a deep way." Like, mm-hmm. and it's because it's it's the same thing as putting together a production. It's like you have your crew. You have your timeline, you have a budget, you like when you execute things is important on your timeline because you don't want to have to go back on things. And then just like being resourceful, coming up with stuff like, you know, a luxury I, I never had as a stylist, like, you know, if you're on a, say a Nike shoot, you don't. And I'm the person in charge of this key product. Like I don't get to show up and be like, yeah, I don't have that. I'm sorry. And the whole thing shuts down. It's like you you don't like you might not have that exact thing, but you have something. So you're always coming up with solutions. And it's one of those jobs, too, where it's just constant fireballs. So like as far as like the hiccups that you constantly experience with flipping, the, I don't even really recognize it cause I feel like my whole job has just been like, like if you, if you take the ideal path and you actually get to the finish line, it's like, would well, you look at that? Like, I never expected it to go that smoothly. And that's just kind of the mentality I've always had. So it's like, you know, I just see it more as like being agile and constantly pivoting, you yeah, know? It's totally. like, and you just, and I think you come up with the best stuff when you do that too. I think when you're really focused on the finish line and what something's supposed to be. Oh yes. You lose a lot. You have tunnel vision, and you kind of want to like you know just like be open at all times and just Completely. be like you know this this is different than I thought it was going to be. But look at this! I didn't even Go think of this.
0: Completely agree. Like just being willing to be open and flexible. That's Mm -hmm. a big word, right? Be flexible and not be so rigid with how something has to look, has to, or, or the how of it, right? Or how it comes together. Like, yeah, yeah. I can completely see how you, how long did you do that? You're still doing it. I'm still it doing
1: it. I keep, I have a toe in it now, you know, like I'll probably, I mean, it's one of those jobs. It's hard because it's such a hard job to get into and to maintain. Like I, I kind of, it's, I imagine it's like living in New York. Like you work so hard to live there. It's hard to fully let go. Cause it's like a big part of your identity, you know? Sure. sure. So it's like, for me, it's like, you know, different seasons for different reasons. Like I, I I I love that job, but I don't feel like it fits my life right now. You know, so it's really hard. It's just it's just hard, just because it's like I haven't had a sick day in twenty years. You know, like, and I have kids now, and sometimes Mm -hmm. they get sick. In fact, they're always sick. Like
0: all the time, they get sick. How old are your kids? So five and seven. Okay, awesome. Let's talk about your first flip as an investment. When did you buy that one?
1: So um, so I bought that September 30th of 29, wait, no, 2020. Okay. So after COVID? After COVID. So so that's kind of like, I kind of, this was on my radar. As much as I watch HGTV, I never was like, I want to be a flipper. Like I wasn't thinking about it at all, but I kind of for probably 3 years prior to moving i was like i got to figure out a side gig or like figure out something because i i just knew i wasn't in the right place and needed a major change so um so then the pandemic happened and then i had time all of a sudden and right. i was like i'm just going to really explore this so i started listening to podcasts like crazy um and i was learning a ton but i a lot of the podcasts I was listening to is like, you know, do you want financial freedom? Right. And like, it felt like very, like, it was kind of aggro <laughs> men yelling about freedom. And I was like, I wasn't really connecting to it. Yeah. And I was just like, I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to, you know, oh, gosh. take bits and pieces of it and apply it. But I just, and then I found your podcast and I was like, oh my God, there, you can do this in a way <laughs> that, you know, you can, cause that was the things that I was like, you should never pick up a paintbrush. You should always be, you know, like there was one way to do it. Like you're an investor. Yeah. And so it was just nice to hear through your podcast. There's a lot of different things you can do. Yes. I mean, I think that's the beauty of this is you can really cater it to your lifestyle. So hundred percent. That's the
0: beauty of it. Yes. It can look however you want it to look. Yeah. Yes.
1: So, so yeah. So I, um, my first left, I actually did uh PML through family and I found this house, um, on the MLS this house is actually the biggest house I I've done you know, there's $5 million houses there and there's also $300,000 houses. So I found like a cheap, cheaper pocket amongst really expensive homes. Yeah. Nice. And this home was like within the cheaper pocket was one of the largest homes on the street, Mm -hmm. but not, not necessarily huge for the area. So it was 3,500 square feet. So Oh, wow.
0: That's so big.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So you found it on MLS. Well, what did you end up buying it for?
1: So I bought it for five thirty-five. Okay.
0: And did you say you got all the money through PML through private lenders? Okay. So how was that? Like, was that hard for you to ask? Was it, or was it just like, Here's an opportunity. Do you guys want to do this? Or tell to me about that a little bit. So
1: I, I was actually talking to my in-laws and just telling them about my, uh, how I was going to go to hard money lenders. And okay. this is the rate. Mm-hmm. I was just casually talking about it. And they were like, well, why would you do that? You can go through our advisor. They're offering a deal right now. where at at, I, I forget what the rate was, but basically my in-laws did the loan. All right. They did the loan and then I did it through them, but they gave me a rate at three and a half percent. Got it. it yeah. Low. So they basically financed the um, house and then I did the renovation with the HELOC. Okay. Got it. Got it. And uh, how much did the renovation cost?
0: So 3,500 square foot house.
1: It was about 120. Yeah. Yeah
0: that's not bad for that size of a house.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I, my biggest mistake with that house was I put too much money in things that I should have done. Yeah. Because my background, I get kind of lost in the aesthetics. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. That was the big thing I learned from that one. But as far as like, like, you know, because I just renovated my house, I did it in a very similar way. I acted as a GC and I, I did it almost like a photo shoot. Like I kind of was like, all right, this is my top flooring guy. He's not available. So I'm going to move the next guy. Oh, they're not available. And it was constant pivoting. Like, this is the tile I want. It's not available. So you move to the next one. And it was just, you know, just kind of, but it just... It's trying to stick as much as I could to the budget yeah. and, um, and the timeline. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. Were there
0: any major surprises on that one?
1: I mean, not beyond like just the havoc of COVID. Yes. Right. And <laughs> yeah, My husband almost lost his finger. Cause we tried to move the vanity. Oh, geez. <laughs> Oh yeah.
0: gosh! Uh, <laughs>
1: oh god! Yeah, that that was a moment of oh no. But um, uh, and then the weekend we put the house on the market. Um, we it was like the first time it rained in like eleven months, and it was like the first time it like snowed. Like it was cold and rainy. Oh god! And on top of that, my I was actually at the time using my husband's aunt as my realtor. And her laptop got stolen from her car oh, right before she was supposed to list. And, like, so the it didn't post when I hoped it would post. And there was like, there was some things, like, looking back, it's, like, I should have waited a, another week to put it up. That was, still, I, there was a couple of things, like, yeah, that I feel like, because it was, I was really proud of the house, which was the good part. Like, yeah. I... I was kind of like, um, yeah, I just wish more people got to see it because it was just uh, just a dismal weekend here. Um, but, but I sold it the first weekend um, and I sold it at 7.45, I believe. Is that yeah. what
0: you were thinking? Is that what your ARV was initially or did it go up just because? So my,
1: I kind of ended up, my budget went up, but then I also was like, because I'm putting more expensive stuff in, I, I knew it could appraise for more. So um, so that went up too. So I put it on the market at 750 and I sold it at 745. Okay.
0: Awesome. And that was a total of how long from purchase to sale?
1: Purchase to sale was just over four months. Nice.
0: Yeah. That's great. During COVID, during that time of covid yeah, that's fantastic. What, what did your profit end up being on that one? I mean,
1: 48000 Nice. So,
0: yeah. You paid off your
1: in-laws and they were like, I'll do that again. Or <laughs> yeah, they, they, or no. Well, <laughs> for me, like the anxiety was like, I can't lose people I know's money. Like, so I almost rather use hard money because it, it felt and I just like, didn't want to disappoint, you know, like I was just, in I just, you know, just wanted to make sure God forbid, like I wouldn't lose money, but then like looking now, I know you just want to make sure. And I learned this from your program. Cause I didn't join your program until my third house. So, so like now I know, like, I always buy no HOA because I have different exit strategies. Yes. And I think about it as the same as the stock market. Like you don't lose money unless you sell when it's low. So it's like you just hold on to it. until. So you're like the fear of losing money, like as long as you have exit strategies. Exactly. Shouldn't be there. That's not, you know. That's exactly the point of having different ways out. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. The first one happened and you're like, oh my gosh, that was kind of easy and that was fun. Is that what you were thinking? Or what were you thinking?
1: Yeah. I mean, I loved it in such a deep way. Like I like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like I just felt in the zone like the whole time. And like my husband really saw it too. He was just like, you're just like a hat, like happy person. Like I I I've always struggled with insomnia. Um but like when I'm really into something, it's like, I don't need it. I sleep really hard. And then I'm like, good. And I'm yeah. like, you know, I could sleep six hours and I bolt out of bed. So I was super excited to go to the house and just yes, like, I
0: totally relate.
1: Yeah. Where if I'm not into something, it's like, I wake up at two and my brain's spinning and I'm just kind of, and then I always just kind of, that's how I knew my job wasn't really working anymore. Cause I was like, Oh, it's not normal at noon to like be thinking about how to pack up for the end of the day. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> this might be a sign. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I just felt like tired, like all the time, you know. But and, but when you're excited about something, it's you have boundless en- yeah. energy. Yeah. So totally. Uh, so yeah, I just was, and it was really cool for me because I've always worked in a creative field, but I've always designed for other people. So I think like one of the funnest thing was to work on a big project and then like to see what I could do. Cause I didn't even know what I could do. Cause I like have been doing it for everyone else for 20 years. So totally. Yeah. That was that was really satisfying to be like, oh, like I picked up all those things from working next to the best people at Crate and Barrel, you know, like and like i can actually knock this out um so that was cool uh so yeah the and then my second house so my so i'm pretty specific on the type of houses I try to find mm-hmm. so my uh grandparents lived in the same house for 70 years and my grandma was the type of person like she like ironed her pillowcases of course and like she did. Of course wouldn't touch her iPad use a stylus to touch her iPad of course. <laughs> the lady doesn't touch the iPad so I try to find houses like their house where I'm like if I see that you maintained a kitchen for 40 years or 50 years and like like that's my perfect house like something that cosmetically needs an overhaul but uh there's just a lot like it's really well maintained. So
0: we have so much in common. That's my current project. They owned the house for 52 years, original owners, like everything was original, but you know, he piddled around and he caulked things and he yes. sealed things and he did right. I love it. Yes, yeah. You can feel the love when you walk into those houses, you feel
1: you feel the love, yeah, yeah, totally. So my next house, it was like I saw it and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it was original, nineteen seventy eight kitchen, and I love the things that a lot of Arizonans find dated. I find really charming because I'm new here, and I'm like, "Oh, beehive fireplace, Satio tile, like,
0: right.
1: yeah, weird glass atrium in the master, like, perfect, right? So awesome, I, yeah." <laughs> So I, um, and this is really before too, like I, I knew the margins I needed to flip, but I definitely have honed in on that better. Like looking back at this house, I was like, oh, that was a risk. Like, like, you know, now I wouldn't have jumped on it. Um, but I, so I wrote the the woman, a letter. And I found out after it was her grandparents house, she was the realtor. And it, it was very like symbolic for me. Cause I actually, the week before I bought my first slip, my grandfather died and oh. then my grandfather died right before this one. And they were, yeah. Oh, that's so hard. I'm sorry. They were like my second, like I saw them, I grew up next to them and like, um, but my budget for this one was 50k, and okay, this is the one where I was like, Well, I'm just gonna learn how to tile, and like <laughs> I do this uh application called Surecrete where I like do it on the shower walls. Oh, yeah, I remember like,
0: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it
1: almost looks like a Moroccan finish. I refinished the floors myself, I installed like 1400 square feet of Sotillo. Uh, I just I was there every day, all day. So that one took, um, same three months. It was about 2,100 square feet. And that one was crazy. So I, I switched realtors cause my husband's aunt, she was, she was new to being a realtor too. And she was only here part of the time. And I found this brokerage. It was like a boutique brokerage and their whole mission is kind of saving older homes and they. I don't know. I was following, they're really good on social media. And I was just like, Oh, these seem like great people. Um, so I started working with them and uh, yeah, I actually hosted the open house cause I kind of wanted, I take, I take kind of risks with my design or I'm, I know a lot of times with flipping or a lot of the freedom po- pro- podcast I was listening to, it's like, you want to appeal to the masses. Oh and gosh. Like, you know, or like you know, yeah. I remember going to get a countertop and the guy's like, well, this is the one everyone's buying and mm. you want everyone to like it. And I was like, no, I don't yeah, think I do it's, it's about it.
0: personality. It's a, yeah, that's yeah, what it sets us apart, I think.
1: So yeah, that one um had multiple offers, went the first weekend and actually there was a bidding war with escalation, and I I know I'm making 90 on that one. Nice. I know I put in 10 times the amount of effort as other flippers because I stage and I do all the things. Like I know nothing unturned. Like I really yeah. do it all. And so it's like, what is that worth? So I, you know, when I feel kind of weird about the amount of money I get, I'm like, I don't know. It's it's tricky. Um, but then it's like it's such a large amount of money. It just I try to see it as like it's just going back into this thing that i believe in
0: yeah yeah it's interesting it's interesting to talk about profit it's something that comes up where the freedom fighter podcast or whatever you know it's a different conversation whereas here on this podcast when we talk about profit it's like i mean i kind of feel bad like i feel a little guilty or just like and i think it's that um it's kind of like that servant's guilt, right? Because we have like, we we serve people. We are here to serve people. We're not short, like we're not cutting corners. We're not doing shady things. We're actually yeah. putting a lot of love and care into these properties and into the people that we work with and into yeah. the sellers and into the buyers. Like we're doing this in a really good way, Yeah, but to financially benefit from it is hard for people like us because it's like- well, I mean, but I'm trying, like, I want us to not feel bad about it. <laughs> it is what it is, right? Like it, it like we are being rewarded for doing good, but it's, it's, a, it's part of the conversation for sure. Every time. And it's like,
1: I try to like the people I hire, you know, I, I try to never barter with them. I like the Same. price you tell me I'm going to pay you. Cause I get that come, as a freelancer, I really try to treat people like how I wanted to be treated. So yeah, I, and it's like, if you think you deserve that much and I know you're good, of yep. course I'll pay you that. Yes.
0: There is that
1: mentality
0: of you have to negotiate everything
1: and it's like, or just get the lowest price to make money.
0: Yeah. Get the best deal possible. And even if that means the other person walks away feeling like they lost it's okay. Cause you got, you squeezed the juice, right? Like you yeah. got the best deal and it just doesn't feel that good to be yeah. in
1: that. No. And I really believe generosity breeds generosity. Same, Yeah. A big thing I learned dealing with contractors there. And it, I used to be like, this is what I'm looking for. Or this is what I want, and not really knowing how to get there because I didn't really like most people, you don't understand the underbelly of a house. You just have this idea. Right. But now I've changed my approach and I found it to be so much better to be like really collaborative. Yes. Be like, you know, this is what I was this is what I was thinking. What do you think? And it's like every time. Yes. And that also like it makes them feel respected and trusted. Exactly. And that brings out the best work of anyone. Like I know that as a freelancer, the jobs that I disliked was the ones where I felt like I was being micromanaged and they were questioning every little thing I did. And I'm like, you guys hired me. Why did you hire me? So I'm the same way with my subs. I'm like, you do this every day. Why would I think like it should be done a different way? Like I hired you because I trust you. So yeah that was huge. Like understanding that is really what kind of opened this world to me too. Like, like working as like a team and making it truly collaborative. And that's always just been my dream in general. It's like, I just want to work with friends. Like I just want to, and I want us, you know, when the tide rises, we all rise and like, we can all do well. Yeah, And like, exactly. that's that's the goal. So it's like, and I really respect I like I find everything they do so cool and interesting like my main key contractor I'm like how do you know how to do that like how did you get to that and he's like a MacGyver he can figure out anything and I'm just like I don't know I have such respect for those people even painting it's like people think oh, I can paint a wall but it's like When you like my main painter, he's such a craftsman. He's like a true Mm -hmm. artist Mm -hmm. where he Mm -hmm. really takes pride in his work. And I like really admire that. I Um,
0: think it's such a huge, it's such an important part of the conversation because, again, it's kind of like the profit conversation. This is another part that's really important because once we really get that it's a relationship business. And we don't have to be combative with our contractors and the people that we work with and that not everybody's out to screw us. Yeah. Right. Like this whole mindset around contractors is so infuriating to me sometimes because one person, right. Having all these bad experiences, it's like, you're the common denominator.
1: Exactly. And that's what I realized. I was guilty in Chicago and it stemmed from being insecure. Cause I, you realize this is an expensive thing and you don't want to be taking advantage of. I've done the same thing with buying a car. I'm totally guilty of it. It's like you Google a bunch the night before and you take your like two hours of knowledge where like suddenly you're the expert and this is what I want. And then like, and that being rigid like that and making like, because it's like having, thinking your ego is going to like control the situation really, really hurts you. And I, I've heard in the group too, people talk about assertiveness. Like, I, I don't want to be a bitch. And it's like, and it's like, you can be really nice and assertive, And that also comes from respecting people. And then on the flip side, they respect you. So like when you say something to them, they know that, you know, you, you, you like them and you're not just saying that because you want to control them. Like they already know that you respect them. So building that relationship with someone,
0: you know, I don't think enough people realize I was just having a conversation with my HVAC contractor. I've been working with him for like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years. And I was having a conversation with him and he was like, you know, I just, I, I appreciate you that you, you just, you always paying, like, you're just always paying. You don't question it. You don't, you don't take a week. I, I ask you for payment and you pay it. And I'm like, "Well, well, that's how it should be. And he's like, you would think so. But Just like people have all these negative things about contractors, we have negative things about some people in the world too, because we can't get paid sometimes, even though we did our job, people Mm -hmm. just decide that, well, they have control of the money and they're not going to give up that. They're not giving up the money that we're owed. He's like, he, he was telling me that one person owes like tens of thousands of dollars and they're just choosing not to pay him. And he's like, you know, we're all connected. All of the trades are connected, and we all know who pays and who doesn't pay. So Mm -hmm. the people who are having a hard time finding people who will work for them are generally the ones who have a bad reputation in
1: the contractor world. And the thing now, it's like the wheel has turned. Like they're all in such demand right now, they don't need you. They can work for someone else. So, like the good people, like, they don't have to show up for you. And that doesn't mean that you let them do whatever they want. But like, like my main guy at the beginning, he was like, there was a couple of times where he was late or just didn't let me know that he couldn't show up. And he's a really shy person. He's actually very similar to my brother. And I recognized that. And I was like, if I yell at this guy, cause he didn't show up, he's going to like, go under something like a cat and hide. And like, but I know how talented and how good he is. So I just said to him, I'm like, I want you to work and I want you to make money. I just, if you're not here, just text me and let me know. Cause I always keep the ball rolling. I'll never be mad at you. Cause you went and got money from someone and you're working hard. Like I support that. I just want communication, so I can keep this going.
0: Yeah, communication, and you know, talking to my key contractor the other day, he he made a mistake, and and I I saw it, and he came through later, and he wasn't talking about it, and this is somebody new, new to me,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then finally, I just I, I was like, oh, and hey, I just wanted to check in on that thing over there, and he was like. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like real, like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, I I'm going to handle it. And and I was like, Hey man, mistakes happen. I'm not mad at you. Like, what do we need to do to resolve it? Like, do you need something from me? If you're waiting for something from me, let me know. I don't ever want to hold you up, but that freedom and that, uh, that space for
1: making mistakes because we're, we're human And like a house, all houses, they're like living, breathing things. Like and they're not all the same. So people feel like they, everyone approaches everything the same, but it's like, you didn't, you don't know what work was done prior to you. You don't know if like little critters got in there overnight. We have no idea what's happening. So like, you know, it's, you know, mindset again, just like knowing you just got to keep pivoting and like, uh, and give that flexibility to your contractors because right. they're going to run into stuff too. Right. And don't make it, make, make it a
0: space where, where open communication is okay. Like they can mm-hmm. say, I screwed up and you're not yeah. going to come down on them or shame them because that's what typically happens is they get shamed and they make a mistake. They get shamed and that doesn't feel good no. <laughs> to anybody. So that space of, you can make mistakes. Let's just talk about them. Like, let's, I was like, it's totally fine. Let's just talk about it. Like what needs to happen? Do you need something from me? Let's keep moving. And he was like, oh my gosh, I'm never like, nobody's ever just like, talk to me like that. And I was like, I'm sorry.
1: But now he'll forever be loyal to you for that thing. Yeah, Cause all these guys, it's like, like, I think it's like, they could have, done a million things with their life but they want to work in the trades right because they you know they don't want to be talked down to they don't want to like and I feel like it's interesting since the pandemic um because it turned and everyone's looking at their house and wants a million things done these guys get so busy and it's like 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 it used to be that like oh like I'm giving you money you got to do what I said but it's really, you know, these, a lot of these guys are artists, they're craftsmen's like respect them. And it, and it's also, you're kind of the coach of a team. It's like, you are, you're the leader. So yeah, it, it's just, you know, just creating a good team. That's essentially in a good environment where people want to work. Like, yes. Yeah. That whole thing has made it much more enjoyable too. just that shift of like, or just again came from insecurity of my knowledge like and then recognizing that you know that's huge it makes it just much more enjoyable
0: yes it doesn't experience. Have to, yeah it doesn't you, you you don't have to be um on guard and defensive and assume they're out to screw you um, yeah they, because I mean honestly they're just they're just not. And there are ways to protect yourself and to also protect them. Like both parties should be protected. Yeah. And both parties should get, you know, should be treated with respect and not. And get paid. And <laughs> get paid when it's time for them to get paid. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a big one for sure. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. That was such an important tangent to take. Yeah. Uh, let's get back to flip
1: number two. When did
0: flip number two sell?
1: So flip number two sold, um, or we closed, uh, end of July. And then, um, I got flip number three, beginning of August and, and that one, um, it was a house on a golf course. Uh, Uh, Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think in my head, cause the market was crazy at that time. I was like, it's a house on the golf course for 400 grand, which here seemed so cheap. I was like, this is crazy. And the, their agent just like, they did the thing they listed it without posting photos and that all the things worked in my advantage. So I didn't have much competition. I got off the MLS, um, but I goofed on my, I had a bit of a pie in the sky ARV (laughs) um, where I I think and probably also overconfidence with my last flip, I was like, got in my head a little bit. If I build it, they will come, which doesn't always work. Um, So that one, um, same thing, three months, it was about 2000 square feet, Crazy cool house. Um did the same approach as far as how I GC'd it myself. Um, I staged it myself. I'm always uh, like a pastime is also just I'm constantly accumulating mm-hmm. uh vintage furniture and uh uh-huh. stuff. Um and but so when it came time to put on the market, my realtor was like, uh, like at that time there were no not like even close to remodeled homes that in like even the past six months, like no homes I've sold on the golf course. So I had no comp. So we had to base it off of, uh, houses that look like my house when I bought it, like needed total overhauls. Um, and I think it's because it is a little bit of a cheaper area. So like people there are, are probably, and I'm seeing this happen more and more, like, cause people aren't wanting to move now. Cause where are you going to go? Yeah. And cause this is a cheaper pocket. Like I, maybe that's why people are just like, where are we going to go? Like, so, so I had to list the house uh, at my break even, which was terrifying. Um,
0: Wait, what did you did you buy? What did you buy that one for? Four hundred.
1: Bought it for four hundred.
0: And what was the renovation?
1: I put sixty five in. Okay. And oh. this one was hard money. This is my. Ass. Um, and I used my HELOC again. I didn't use any private, and then um, I listed it at four ninety nine. Okay. Um and sold it at 535. I knew like I it was a really special house like it was I and I was really proud of it. So I I was kind of like every house there's something I think I don't have to do and then the more I'm there I'm like ah, I got to do this thing. And I don't know if I'll get my money back, but I'm going to do this thing because for me too, it's just as exciting to see what it will look like. So it's like, I just want to, I just, I want to see how great it can look. And so I fall a little victim to that every time. And I don't know if I feel bad about it. I you think know? it's, I think
0: it's what sets them apart. I do. Yeah. I think caring more and thinking about it differently than just I hate this saying "lipstick on a pig," which is what. Yeah. Oh, that was the saying when I first got into flipping, and I was like, "That is not. I don't drive with that. That's not my. That's not. That's not how I'm going to do things." It feels really. And now,
1: listening to so many podcasts, it's like I get why flipping has gotten a bad name because everything comes from an investor perspective, and it's more now about like what we can get away with and we've lost sight of the fact that we're making homes for people which is their biggest asset and it's where they spend all their time and make all their memories and yes. it's like that's the way i feel such responsibility with each house like i don't really have fear of losing money but i have fear of just like not making the house what it could be like and not reaching the like or hitting the opportunity right and making what I knew it could be. So it's like, um, so yeah, I, so that house, I got, I got, I think 14 offers on it. So it went, the sale went well and they bought it as is. Um, So what was the profit on that one? That one was around 30. Okay.
0: And then most recent one,
1: most recent one, so I bought this one. I really love this neighborhood. This is the third house I put an offer on in the neighborhood, and they're all custom homes, and they're all really—they're all built mid seventies, mid eighties, mm. and they're kind of quirky and weird. And I just love them. Oh, yeah, I love. Them. Um, mm-hmm. And this house was again; the margins were slim. Like I was like, and now I—I I know better because I'm in your program at this point. And I was like not the 10% ARV, but I really saw the potential in this house and there were comps to prove that I knew I wouldn't lose money. So I was like, um, I, I wanted, and I I knew that woman that owned the house, uh, was super meticulous, like handed over like multiple three ring binders of everything she'd done to the house. So I knew it was an awesome house. So that said, at my ARV, so I bought this house at, let's see, I bought it at 516. And my original ARV was 640. So my budget was crazy tight. Um, I ended up putting in 50 grand. And then like, while well, I was in the throes of staging and doing my thing, I didn't notice a, a sale that happened that made my realtor think that I could list it at 700 so, or 699. So, and that's what's so crazy about real estate is like, well, there's 50 grand or like it's bananas. It's bananas. And I, and I know it can go the other like, Right. It can go the other way, but unlikely to go that far. um, But so I like was never expecting to get anywhere near that. And then we did um, coming soon and I got offer at 60 over during the com- coming soon. And also like the realtor was going to give me part of her commission and they wanted to buy all the furniture. And then we ended up getting uh, multiple offers around the 70 over ask. Um, and then these people, the original people raised their offer to 783 then this became like where I started feeling weird I'm like this is a lot of money and I was just like and my realtor like she kind of talks me off too because she's sometimes she's like not that you can be too generous but she's like no Courtney like you know like it's okay it's okay but I ended up telling them because the other offers were at 770. I sold it to them at 770, and I didn't take the realtor's commission because I realized how hard it is these days, like trying to get people a house. Right. And I ended up giving them like 5k worth of furniture. That's amazing. So
0: that's what felt good to you.
1: It felt good, like yeah, I yeah it yeah, but again, like almost froze me cuz i made about 150 on that one it, it's crazy
0: wow yeah that's incredible incredible profit it's really been it's been so fun to talk to you we're we're very similar
1: i always think that listening to your podcast i was like i feel like i'd be friends with debbie yeah right <laughs> like
0: let's hang out man
1: <laughs> um it's
0: so i love that I just love that this community attracts who it attracts, which is women who want to do this in a way that isn't screwing everybody around, like, right. Not like we're not leaving people thinking they got a bad deal or they were taken advantage of or any of that negative stuff that just feels gross. We just go in, we love these houses, we keep things that we can keep we replace things that we can't, and we just put a lot of heart into it. And it's not based on what's like the cheapest thing to do. It's what's going to make this house, like, what is this house telling me? And I know that's so weird, but it's like, really, what is this house telling me?
1: Exactly. Like the house is more of my client than me thinking of the buyers. like, And that saves you money too, because you're like, how do I work with what's here rather than, well, the person, the buyers down the street had the super modern, whatever. And I just bought a craftsman and like, trying to like, but it's like designed for the house. And then you're also keeping the legacy of the house going and all these cool things happen. Totally. And I think that's, that's the thing though. People who are,
0: are drawn to that style house. They are drawn to the design pieces, right? They're, they're drawn to the things that make it unique and give it character and they pay more for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's what
1: I'm, I mean, I'm still in the very much trial and error, but I'm like really seeing like, it's like, I almost want to get like my creative friends to do this too. Cause I was like, I, I flips can and should look better, you know? Yes,
0: totally. Hey, they are though. They really are. Like when I first started 2007, 2008, like, nope. I think uh, there was me and maybe three other that I can think of three others in Austin that were like loving the houses, not just doing the lipstick on a pig thing. Yeah. Uh, And now definitely
1: more people
0: are for sure. But I mean, you can tell just by MLS photos, who's right. You can tell who's doing it right. And who's going after the easy money, which is just yeah. gross. It's just gross. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of this program and just like you're the feeling of not being that you're at it alone, just oh. like, and just the immediate response you get to posting questions and, um, and just like having cheerle- cheerleaders at all times, too. Like everyone's very supportive. Yeah, and good. And being part of a positive community that's doing something I truly believe is good. And so, it's, yes, it's pretty cool what you created. Oh my gosh.
0: Well, thanks for coming to the party. Thanks for hanging out in the party. Yes. We've all co created it. Like every single person who comes in just continues to co create it. It's really it's really beautiful. It's awesome. I'm super grateful for the awesome women that find their way to us for sure. Yeah. You included. I'm so (laughs) glad that we were finally able to have this conversation. You just embody so much of the spirit here. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for sharing parts of your story. Yes, of course. Awesome, Courtney. All right, thank you. Thanks for hanging awesome. out. See in the group, <laughs> yeah. See in the group. Okay, bye. bye. Such a great conversation. I, I told you we were going to cover a lot of ground, and we did. Thank you, Courtney. Again, that was really fantastic. I loved it. I love having the conversation of flipping houses. In a way that's done with love and care and not taking advantage of people and letting everyone involved win and letting our team shine and doing the things that we enjoy doing and that we're good at doing and getting to have time freedom and spending that time with friends and family and the people that we love instead of at a job that's sucking the life out of us. Oh my gosh. So good. All right. It's totally possible to buy, renovate, and sell or rent houses in a way that feels good to you and is positive and adds value to people. All right. If you want to talk to us, and see how we do that. That's our specialty. See how we help women start flipping houses in any kind of market and how we support women in doing that. Go to herfirstflip.com and book a call to talk to us and see if we're a fit. All right. Until next time, Go out there, flip houses like a girl, leave people and places better than you find them and make it a great day. Bye y'all.